right, next guest. Um, everybody knows who's ever listened to my podcast, I love talking about business. And funny enough, when I'm talking about business, I always refer to boxing specifically. I mean, every sports star has the mentality of being a, a, a great business person because it's the will to win at the end of the day. But specifically boxing or fighters, I know I'm going to be a bit biased because I've had a few fights myself. I love doing the boxing training and I'm still doing it even at the age of nearly 35. But I love to interview people that are doing it now at a very, very high level. So the next guest I got, Harlem Eubank, um, just had another a fight, which you won, undefeated 11-0. and um, Thank you very much for coming on my podcast, brother. Thanks for having me, man. No Pleasure problem. To be here. No problem. Um, Right, where shall I start? Um, I had your cousin on my podcast about a couple of months ago. And I mean, I think the, the for me anyway, uh, being a boxing fan, the obvious thing is talk about your surname. I mean, that surname holds a lot of weight because when you say the surname Eubank, you, 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 con- you consider that name as like a, a winner, mm. um, someone that is dedicated, someone who's a fighter, someone who's a champion. So the question I actually asked Seb, I'm going to ask you, Having that 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 name, was it almost? Did it shape your future? Did you know you were going to get into fighting or boxing? And did it did it hold a little bit of pressure? Because there's obviously the names that have all become world champions, and does it almost kind of force you to, I don't know, live up to that sort of expectation or not? Really, don't you really consider that? Uh, for me, from a young age, um, obviously knowing and understanding the success that uh, my uncle Chris. Um, achieved I always wanted to you know strive and being you know passionate about sports myself and, and various different sports and, and martial arts at a young age I I always wanted to achieve elite success in a different um, in a different sport or in a different practice or different <clears throat> combat because um, I always felt like you know boxing it, it had already been done um, yeah and, you know, I, I first started off in karate to try and achieve that success and did achieve a lot of success uh, early on and then went into football and achieved um, at that level, at that age of, you know, 10, 11 on to 16. Um, I played for Brighton Hove Albion Academy. So that was kind of one of the top teams I, I could play for at that age. So I've always had that uh, urge to train, play, at a very high level um, to, to test myself to, to my maximum and see, and see, uh, see what I've got. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, having started that combat journey at seven years old in, in karate um, and being, you know, very passionate about combat and martial arts and watching Bruce Lee films from five years old instead of cartoons. Mm. Um, I then found boxing at age 15 and um, but couldn't take it up seriously because I was playing football at the time, and uh, my my football team was was saying you can't do both, so um, I had to choose football. And at the age of eighteen, I was done with football. I'd fallen out of love with it, and I needed <laughs> something. I always feel like I need I need that physical outlet, you know. Yeah. And at the age of eighteen, when I when I'd lost the urge to to play football. Uh, I took back. I took up boxing once again and uh, ran with it. You know, fell in love with it again. And uh, from that day, I was training five times a five times a week. You know, yeah, and 
taking it seriously. And I, I understood at that point, I was a late starter in boxing, you know, picking it up at 18, really. Did you um, have amateur fights? Yeah. So I picked it up at 18 and I wanted to get going straight away because I knew it's going to be a crash course if I want to achieve in boxing. There's kids starting from five years old, fighting from, you know, seven, eight and practicing their craft and learning from that age and picking up skills, um, you know, from five years old. So I knew it was going to be a task to, to pick it up and <coughs> achieve success. So I really wanted to put all my time into it and, uh, you know, make sure I get to the gym four or five times a week. And from the age of 18, I went straight into the amateurs. I knew that that was kind of the place where you, you're going to have to test yourself most and where you'll pick up skills the quickest from, mm. from you know, challenging yourself. So yeah, I just dived straight in. I think I had five fights the first year, maybe eight fights the next year. And uh, over four or five years, uh, I had 33 fights and then uh, switched to the pro ranks. Yeah, nice, nice stuff. And uh, I'm going to ask you, mate, it might be a silly question, but what is your ambition with the boxing? I mean, obviously go all the way to the top. Yeah. How, how do you see the, um, uh, the, the, the path unfolding? I want to I wanna get to the top. I want to fulfill my potential. And I feel like, I've said it recently, I feel like I'm about 40% developed as a professional fighter. And I want to keep improving at the same rate that I have been. And with that, I think I can achieve world success. I know it's going to take um, many more years of refining and, and learning and, and perfecting the, the art form. Um, but I think it's, I see it as doable. Um, yeah, I'm just, I'm just kind of one fight at a time, but it is in the back of my head that I want to achieve such a high level of success in boxing. Yeah. Well, um, so my trainer is a guy called Charlie B. He's been training me since, how long now? I'm 35. So coming up 35, it must be. It must be about 12 years now. Really? Yeah. That's crazy. I didn't know you, you guys were training. Yeah. Long. Yeah. That's for a long funny. time. I mean, I've done the Queensbury League. Yeah. Where last fight was last year. I'm planning to do a few more before nice. I get to a bit too old. Um, but Charlie used to train me when he used to own Light to Lift and Light to Box. Yeah. Uh, which was just down the road from Boxing Booth. <clears throat> and there's a point to this story. So when I used to tra train with him back then, he used to do the strength and conditioning and also the boxing. He's yeah. always been a very, very good coach. But when he transitioned with Adam Booth and now at the you know boxing booth, I I I sort of saw the way he trained me, the style of it change. Did it, yeah. And I actually really lo loved it. Mm. Like loved the, the the transition. So the question I want to ask you is before you got to training with Charlie yeah. and also boxing booth, etc., what was that transition like going from maybe a way you were training before and obviously winning fights, but now yeah. with Charlie, what what sort of what's what's changed slightly? Just the, um, I just think the the awareness and the um, the way the way the the way he studies fights um, and his ability to kind of relate technical um, and tactical things from from certain fights and he just he understands the technical game um, very well. His awareness is is uh, very very good. And uh, I, th I just think that the training is very tailored mm -hmm. and very technical as well. Mm. Uh, me and Charlie have always done a lot of technical stuff to get together. And um, 
yeah, I've picked up picked up a lot in the last four years. Yeah, for sure. You, the, the I've not been there. Uh, I, when I when I train, I'm normally down there in the morning at six o'clock in the morning. Yeah. I'm like the one of the first yeah. people in there because I've got to get into London yeah, yeah, yeah. for for my day. But when I look on social media and Instagram, etc., it appears that there's a genuine kind of family tight knit group. There's obviously sure. got Josh Kelly yourself. I know Ryan Burnett used to be down there, former world champion, two time world champion. Shannon Courtney, um, Mick Conlon, uh, there's a few others, obviously. And I'm not saying you all look the same in regards to your style, but you can tell that they've been, you've been trained down, yeah. uh, down boxing booth. It's a bit like when I look at Vegas and I see the Mayweather camp, you can tell people have been training in the May, May, yeah. Mayweather camp. Is it, is, it, is it really like that? Like a tight-knit family, close, you know, yeah. uh, intimate kind of place to, 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 to train together? It is, it is. It's... Um... It's a good group of people, um, great personalities, and uh, we we've all bonded, you know, and um, that kind of shows in in the gym setting and through the, the through the obviously social media that you see and and pick up on that is that family uh, type structure. Um, now, how important is that? Like to have you know bounce bounce off each other with that positive en- energy. Very very important. You um, the way you learn. <clears throat> when you're in a setting you enjoy is completely different um you look forward to being in the gym and when you're in there it's it's enjoyable and you uh, you're you're you recept things differently when you're in that frame of mind mm. and it really helps you accelerate your learning because you're you're really excited to learn in that scenario you yeah. look forward to being in there and you look you know when when you leave you look you're looking forward to the next day yeah um it really gives you a lot of purpose when you're when you're going to a place that you enjoy being. Yeah. So um, you laugh. I, I can't pronounce the guy's surname, but the uh, uh, the last opponent guy called Daniel Egbenike. Yes. So you're both undefeated. It was it was hyped up quite a lot. Um, how was you feeling going into that fight? Now, obviously, I know you're gonna you were gonna feel energized, ready, powerful, etc. I could just tell, but even when I was saw you, saw you at Box Hill, you were sprinting up and down them hills <laughs> and I was thinking, this guy's a machine. <laughs> but obviously knowing that there was so much almost at stake because I felt like personally, this is like that, that was like the line in the sand and providing that you got over it, then you, you're going to go to bigger, better things, which you are. What was that like mentally going into that fight? Um, it was interesting. Um, because as a fighter, you can't put, you can't be thinking, you can't have them thoughts in your head that everyone has from the outside um, looking in that, you know, that this is the point where you need to push on and, you know, put in a performance and <clears throat> you've just got to be thinking about bringing your best and having a flow state in, the, in there. You can't think about, you know, when you're in the ring, you don't want to be thinking, oh, I need to do this, I need to do that. You want to be thinking... I've got to perform to the best of my ability here, which means I can't be overthinking. I've got to be in a in a state of almost emptiness, ready to react. Yeah. And uh, just to the visual stimulus you see. And I think I just put myself in, in that mind frame. Um, and I was on on fight day, I was, I was just zoned. And um, I watched, I done like a IFL, but we done it on the day of, of the like the weigh-in, which is obviously uh, no, we done it on. I think it was the morning of the fight actually. Okay. Um, done at IFL, and um, I could just see in my face like I could. I was just talking rubbish, but I could just see and feel like 
I'm ready to fight now. I didn't, I didn't want to talk. The time yeah. was done for talking. And like, I could just see, you know, this is fight time now. This isn't, you know, talk, talking's done. I'm not worried about talking. This is, I'm zoned and I'm ready to go. Yeah. And I saw that and I, I kind of thought, you know, I'm probably not going to do, you know, interviews on the day of the fight just because your head's in a different place. Yeah. And you're just zoned ready for combat. Yeah. You're, you're ready for, you know, the physical tests. And, uh, you know, that's where my full focus was come fight day. Yeah. There's not many sports, bar probably UFC, where there is a real risk of something going wrong. Um, it's not just about, let's say, maybe the the perception of embarrassment if you lose, but more than that, which is the phys- physical damage. And some people have ended up dying. Um, I know you probably won't ever f- think about that as a fighter because when I've done boxing, it's not at your level, but I never I never even considered that. It's only my missus that turns around <laughs> yeah. to me and goes, do you know you could have died or something like that? And I said, you just never consider it. But um, one thing I admire about especially Booth and obviously Charlie, but when I used to watch David Hay, when I used to watch George Groves, George Groves was one of my favourite fighters to watch. I thought he had a great style. One thing I noticed about the fighters, even if they were winning or losing the fight, and I've seen it now flow through, through Charlie Beat Yourself and everybody else, it's the calmness. Mm. Knowing that something can go wrong, knowing that you know you could be beaten one or two rounds and you, you've got blood on your face, etc. It seems always to be a calmness. I mean, is that something that comes natural to you or have you picked that up through the camp, uh, through, through the boxing booth gym? I think I've picked it up. Um, I think they, they put you in scenarios that you're going to experience in the fight. Um, and once you're in them in training, when, you, when it comes to the fight, you can be relaxed because you've seen it. Mm. You've seen, you've seen them play out. If you get tagged, you've been tagged in training. You've been in that scenario. So they put you in them scenarios where, okay, this is the, this is, if this is the maximum stress, you know, when it comes to the fight and that's the, and the fight's 70% of that stress, you're going to feel very relaxed in there. Mm. And I think it's, it's the training methods of, you know, putting you in them stressful scenarios, putting you in the heat in, in training and, preparing you for a fight which is you know a realistic war zone so mm. you've got to prepare for that in yeah. the gym and that and the preparation is what brings the calmness in the, on the night yeah and and outside of boxing then um obviously i know you're still young and you're still developing and obviously you've got so much to achieve and no doubt you're going to get there over the next five or ten years no doubt um but then beyond boxing like, is there, is there plans to do other things in business? Is there investments that you want to go down? What What is it kind of like your vision for the future? A vision? Um, I haven't gone into detail on what I want to do after. I know different kind of sectors that I'm, I'm interested in. And one is obviously nutrition. Yeah. Um, and health. Um, and obviously training and nutrition go hand in hand in, achie- in achieving good health. Yeah. So um, they're two two definite fields that I'm interested in, um, and also you know land and and uh, property and stuff. Uh, yeah, but also just land and I don't know. Like I could see I can see myself building like a sustainable like ecosystem. Yeah, somewhere. like like kind of land mass or like um, I don't know. Like uh, you see them <clears throat> them kind of like eco-friendly built houses yeah. off yeah. off land. I can like a few things like that interest me. Um I haven't put too much 
kind of attention into them yet. Yeah. Because they're still, you know, in the distance. But for sure, you know, health, fitness, and uh, they're things that I'm really, really interested in. Yeah. The reason why I said it is because off air, I sort of touched on this. Um, you've, you've obviously got the calmness. And then you also got the will to win. And I think these are two of the most important things. Oh, on top of that, working hard and which you've got an unbelievable work rate. I think there are three things. There's obviously other characteristics that you need, but to transition into investing or into business more more specifically is exactly what you need. And I just feel that fighters, if they can become British champion, European champion, world champion multiple times over, you can transition that into kind of anything you want. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I get from you, from watching you on your social media and just getting to know you a little bit, that you're a guy that sets goals as well. Yeah. Um, how important is it for you and the advice to give to an audience, how important it is setting goals and working hard towards those goals? It's very important. Uh, I started out in boxing setting, writing down goals, and uh, but I realised within the first two years, nothing Nothing in boxing works out how you how you plan it. Yeah, it's one of them, one of them sports where different things, different openings happen at different times. Sometimes you need to develop more and and go back. It's uh, it's very hard to it's very hard to set realistic goals in in a sport that changes as much as boxing. Mm. Um, you have to be ready and and flowing and improving and ready at any time and when I look back at the goals you know I wrote down <clears throat> when I first turned professional it's I, I, I like I mean I realized I realized looking back it's very very unrealistic okay um, because turned professional couldn't get a fight for four months mm. you know then I fought, then, you know, there was other things going on. So it's about putting yourself in position to get the most out of it that you can. And um, really just enjoying the process now, okay. I think. So goals, but more so just putting yourself in the position to learn and, and keep developing. Yeah. The most value is how uh, developed you are in the art form. Yeah. That's that's ultimately the the value that you offer. Yeah. How how much have you perfected your craft? Yeah. So my view is, let me perfect my craft as much as I can, and that will always hold the value rather than setting. You know, I need to do this by this time because it really doesn't work like that. You gotta you gotta flow in boxing and and be ready and always improving. And when the opportunity arises you're ready to go in that in that case yeah well i think i think what um sort of uh, resonated with me when you were saying that is um setting goals is important i always recommend definitely in business in sales that's my background and obviously sports health nutrition etc to have goals because you've got something to aim for but sometimes when the goal becomes so important you mm. forget to enjoy the process yeah. and you forget to live in the moment and yeah. i still struggle doing that because i get home sometimes i've got a son who's just turned two years of age i've got a great like family life but sometimes I'm there and I'm checking my phone everything else because I'm thinking about the next day or two in business now that's great yeah. but then also I I'll be sitting there and thinking what's happened for two hours like yeah. my son's been here but I've not really engaged with him which is yeah. bad so it's trying to get that happy medium exactly and obviously that engagement can also help you in 
when you go back because you're more focused and more. So it's about, I, I like to float kind of goals, you know, and uh, be like, I'd like to achieve that. <coughs> let's, let's see, let's see how this next, you know, few months play out. Yeah. Um, and I like to float it more, more than, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And then when that doesn't happen, you know, in the time frame, then you're kind of, you're battling yourself, you mm. know, whereas I've learned now to, to flow a little bit more and just enjoy the process because I've, I've had a lot of great advice. Um, and I've heard a lot of times from, from world champions, including, um, uncle Chris saying that, you know, the, the most enjoyable part of achieving the success is the process that it took to get there. Yeah. You know, so once you feel like once you've got the, the belt or the, the world championship belt that you work so hard for, that's not the moment. That's not the, the happy moment that you felt like you was working for, for the, the, um, yeah. The multiple years that it took to get there. Yeah. The mo the happiest moment is looking back. Look, it, look, well, the happiest moment looking back is the process that getting you, there. that getting there. The journey. You know, yeah. The journey. Yeah. So I've heard it so many times where people like end up getting a big house, yeah. nice car. They've bought a house on the beach, etc. And don't get me wrong. Everyone enjoys it for a certain amount of time. Yeah. But really and truly, it was the challenge, it was a struggle, it was the fight in order to get it in the first place. Exactly. And it's not that, and obviously life goes on, so that's not the end. You think that's the end goal, but it's not the end goal because there's things that happen after that and you go into next your next challenges and your next goals and targets. Mm. So it's really about enjoying each, each goal you have, I think, and each target and each marker that you want to achieve. Enjoy that process to, to getting closer to it and, and achieving it. Yeah, and um, so obviously we're all in a very weird year. Uh, 2020, we've been hit by this <clears throat> so-called coronavirus. Um, some people are, you know, really into it. Some people not so into it. But regardless which side of the coin you're on, as a boxer and as a business person, we've had to adapt. Yep. And what I liked about what you said and a lot of boxers say it, is you stay ready. You know, you're always ready, always in peak, peak condition because when you get that call for an opportunity, rather than saying, I need to get six weeks underneath my belt to get fight ready, you're, you're already there. Um, but how has this kind of lockdown coronavirus scenario affected you and boxing and everything, the opportunities? How, mm. how has that kind of hit you? And also mentally, has it has it affected you or, or, or kind of not really? No, I think... <clears throat> I've seen a lot of people get more physically fit and healthy in this time. Uh, I've seen people working, working out, um, outdoors more than ever, um, you know, parks and people running on the street has looked like it's grown massively, you know, mm. um, people are getting more active and more connected with their own health, I think. And I think that's been one of a really positive uh, change that people have made during this time. Yeah. Um, for me personally, obviously when gyms were closed, it was, it was difficult. Um, when they opened back up for elite athletes and I could start training again, it w felt so good. You know, yeah. I felt like, felt like Christmas had come early, you know? <laughs> and, um, yeah, for me getting back into the gym really started to enjoy, enjoy my boxing again. And, um, not that I'd ever stopped enjoying it. I was trying to train outdoors, 
But after, you know, three, four weeks of, of shadow boxing during lockdown outdoors, it got and to a running, point. Yeah. yeah, it got to a point where I was like, I just need a gym open again. Yeah. And when I got the call to say that elite athletes were um allowed back in the gym, it was uh it was beautiful. Yeah. Got back to it and um within it must have been two or three months later, I got a random text from Adam saying, do you want this fight in, in two or three weeks? And I was like, it's come out of nowhere, but I was like, let's do it yeah. you know, straight away. Um, and it was obviously an opponent that had success over me in the amateurs, but I knew that the developments I'd made, I'm, I'm a completely different fighter. Mm. So I was, re- I was ready to go and, that opportunity came out of nowhere. Yeah. And um, seized the opportunity. And then three months later, another undefeated opponent. Yeah. So it's all about developing the craft so that when it's time to go, you're ready to go. And and that's how my, that's how the end of 2020 has played out for me. Yeah. I could have not been training and, you know, been focusing on other stuff. And I, I would have had no, no fights. Yeah. And wouldn't have developed as much as I had. So I feel like when it's meant to happen, it's meant to happen. And, and the fights have arisen at the end of a tough year for everyone. Yeah. And it's set up my, my new year, um, pretty perfectly in terms of, I'm going to be very active next year and, and the fights will be getting bigger and better. And, and, um, going to keep progressing me in the right direction. Yeah, solid stuff. So like, um, again, there's a couple of things you said there which I would like to touch on. So like the coronavirus stroke lockdown scenario obviously made a lot of people, due to the media pushing it so hard, like quite negative, Mm. pessimistic, and basically full of excuses. And I've always said the same thing. No matter where, whether there's a recession, no matter where, whether there's a third world war, no matter whether there's a, a weird virus or the media, whatever, you've always got to look at how you've always got to ask yourself the question yourself this question: how how can this serve me? Whatever's happening to me right now, which is out of my control, how can it serve me? And I do believe in positive energies. I know people talk about that all the time; they use it quite loosely. But I do honestly believe that if you go hard on yourself life goes easy on you. And what I mean by that is exactly what you said there. During COVID and lockdown, gyms weren't open. So you could have easily said, well, I'm a pro athlete. I can only really train if I get into the into the, into the the gym, sparring with my peers and whoever else. But instead of that, you focus on yourself and then out of the blue, an opportunity comes up. And I don't think that's coincidence. I don't yeah. think that's sheer luck. I think you attract that into your space. And um, I think that happens in every walk of life. So staying prepared, oozing out that positivity and staying on your, on your craft is just so, so key. Um, So uh, during that that whole lockdown process, the weather, we had some of the best weather I think we've ever had. It was, it was beautiful weather. And when you wake up and you go outdoors, you can't not have a positive mind frame. Yeah. Fresh air, sun's beaming. So it's, you got to take you got to take that as a uh, a chance to kind of excel and just enjoy your time rather than taking in all the negatives and all the kind of everyone's information they're pushing on you and just 
you know, just take it in. It's a nice day. Yeah. We had about six weeks of <laughs> full on holiday weather. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, I soaked in, I enjoyed it and kept energized, kept my nutrition good and stayed ready. Yeah. Well, I mean, like me personally, this has been a very, very good year, certainly financially. I mean, other sides of the business, not not as good. We we adapted. We didn't do as many shows as we could have uh, because of we, could, we couldn't do it because of lockdown, etc. But what it allowed us to do is focus on our content, focus on our marketing strategy and, and, and basically making sales and connecting good collectors to each other, which has been fantastic. And I honestly do think that some people are going to reflect over this year and thought, right, I didn't have the um, the uh, chance to go out clubbing or to the pub where I was going to be boozing or eating the wrong food. I had a chance to focus on myself. I had a chance to organize myself because I was indoors. Mm. I spent good quality time with my family. I got fitter. I learned a new craft, whether that was a new language, play a new instrument. I honestly do feel that this could have been a year for a lot of people, a year of developing as an individual Definitely. rather than some people seeing it as... I mean, I see posts on Instagram where people say this is going to be been a complete waste of the year. Yeah. And I think, how sad is that though? Yeah. If you really consider this as a waste, it's, what does that really say to you? What does yeah. it say about you as a person almost, you know? Yeah, I think different people took different things from it. Some people, some people went into themselves and done more work. Some people um, just took it as time to relax and chill and... But I think, and reflect as well. I think a lot of people realized during that time of being able to not focus on work and just focus on what they want to do with their time. And what's uh, important. And they had a lot of time. Yeah. And, yeah. And what, what, how they want to use it. And I think after that, people kind of realized, okay, I don't need to be at work for 10 hours a day. Uh, I want to create work around a balanced <clears throat> lifestyle that I enjoy and have spare time to have my own headspace and and do what I want to do whether read chill um I think people realize that life wasn't just about work um and it was about living and creating a work lifestyle that they enjoyed and where they can enjoy their time whilst working mm. and yeah I think people kind of redesigned and reshaped their work schedule a lot in that lockdown process so that when they went back, they almost designed a, a, a more efficient uh, work lifestyle. Mm, definitely. Um, so going a bit more back to your, to your boxing, um, there was a chap that um, a few fights ago at your call, you absolutely done him with this left hook. And I know the shot because one, I've watched you do it multiple times, <laughs> but, to also, Charlie's made me fucking drill this shot so many times myself. Yeah. It's that dip, dump, yeah. dump, bum, and yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. one of them ones. Yeah. <laughs> I hope I've perfected that right. And um, <laughs> and uh, I, when when it went down and it come over, I was like, that is like a golden, golden punch. <laughs> um, going, going back to that fight, I mean, yeah. what was the guy's name? I forgot his it name now. You're was, in your call. Um, I'd say uh, it's a difficult name. It's a yeah. difficult name. It will come back to me. All right. So like, repetition then of those shots yeah. um drills in the gym like how how important are they even even like i'm gonna be honest sometimes when charlie makes me do it over and over again i'm like why are we doing it again why are we doing it again mm. but you realize in the heat in the moment of a intense fight and there's a lot of pressure that's when you pull it out of the bag 
So the repetition in the gym, what, what, how important is it to pull off them, those things in a fight? Repetition is essential. Uh, what you're doing when you repeat something is you're training your nervous system to react in that fashion. So you're connecting the, the nerve connections to react when you see that stimulus in that fashion. So you want to repeat and repeat and repeat so that it's not you thinking about the shot. It's your body reacting to the stimulus in that way because you've drilled it so many times that your nervous system recognizes <coughs> that as the first response to go to. Yeah. So the, the drilling of the, the combination is essential. And Because um, even Seb on the podcast, he said, uh, I like what Charlie Beek's been doing for Harlem. Um, he, I think he might even reference that punch. Yeah. Um, and he said he's clearly developing a lot more power. And as he grows older and it gets a lot more stronger, even more brutal knockouts are, yeah, are going to come. Sure. Would you say though, that punch was more power? Was it perfectly timed? It was timing. Yeah. yeah. There was no, I didn't feel the shot. It was the fact that it's about loading it from the leg and uh, I've got big legs. So when I generate my power from the legs, it, it hits different. And mm. uh, I landed the shot maybe four, four or five times before that shot landed and he didn't respect it. Because I wasn't planted, I was just, mm. you know, playing with it. And then he obviously thought, because I was showing it to him, he obviously thought, <clears throat> I'll take that and walk through it and lunge in with my shot, you know. But when he did that, I was planted, so I was ready to throw the, sh throw the shot with the leg, um, with the weight transitioning from the toe all the way up the leg to the hip. And that was the only shot I threw where I'd connected from the leg, so... That's why the power was different. And uh, I didn't feel the shot. It went straight through. And I was kind of like, almost like, did I hit him? Did I not? Mm. And as I see him kind of, you know, falling, I just, I walked, walked off. And uh, I didn't realize that the damage until I, until I look back. Mm. Um, but it's all about drilling that technique because when he was coming in, I wasn't thinking, what's the technique of this left hook, dip, throw. I was thinking, waiting for his shot, ready yeah. to react. And the reaction was the correct load because I'd practiced it so many times before. So yeah. that was the nervous system firing to, to, you know, him lunging in with the right hand. Yeah. Um, so uh, there's strength and conditioning. There's obviously uh, the sparring. There is the running outside, the box hill running and stuff like that. There's malt, there's pad work. Mm. What would you say is your... I mean, give 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 like the audience a small little taste of what you do, Harley Mewbank, day to day, yeah. um, either leading up to a fight or when you're just ticking over. And what would you say is the favourite aspect of your boxing training? My favourite, not that I'm the best at it, but for some reason, I just love the sparring. Mm. Not really into pads so much, maybe yeah. because I've been doing it for so long, yeah. since I was 14 years of age. Yeah. But I like sparring because pads can be a little bit repetitive yeah. and I understand why you need to do it. But sparring never is because yeah. even if you're sparring the same person, no one shot is the same mm. and they might be angry that day. So they might be attacking you quite hard or they might be fairly chilled out and it might be a bit more relaxing. Mm. Um, so I do like the sparring quite a lot. And I feel when you pull off something, it gives you that endorphin rush. Like, yeah. wow, I've just pulled something off. Yeah. And I've got to be honest, when, you, when I'm a bit stressed and I get hit, it's almost like a nice release as well. Yeah. It's weird, weird psychology. It's been the hitting, that's the release, not the getting hit. Yeah, well, well both. I mean, sometimes I'm so angry and someone yeah. punches me and I'm like, 
I sort of needed yeah, to be punched. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, weird, really weird. <laughs> but anyway, um, I wouldn't recommend that to yeah, anyone. Yeah. What? What? So, what's your routine like? And like, what is your favorite aspects of of boxing training? My routine: training two two to three hours a, a day uh, in the mornings, and then trained already this morning, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. trained already this morning, and come up to see. Um, so, and then it's you know a run in the evening, and that's pretty much repeated through the week and I sometimes add my own sessions in as well. So there's, there's two kind of solid sessions per day. The main one being the, the two to three hour boxing. And that's my favorite. Um, the technique work is what I look forward to most because I enjoy the moments where something clicks that you've mm. struggled with. For, you might struggle with something for months and suddenly saying the way, the way it's said or the way it's shown or you'll see something where you can connect it mm. with your with your own body, you, it's, it's easy to see it and explain how it's done. But then actually doing it is, is a lot harder, especially doing it in a stressful scenario whilst you've got danger coming at you. Yeah. So when something clicks for me, that's that's really the moment that I'm training for. That's the moment that I put the work in for, so that you get that click, and then then it's developing that into okay so i've done that on the pads now let me try it inspiring and you know when it when it works inspiring then then you really know you're you're starting to understand it mm. um so for me it's the technique sessions that i look forward to the most they're they're my favorite when really learning the craft and then moments where understanding clicks mm. and it's hard to explain, but you you can only feel it. It's feeling and understanding how it's done, mm. and then moments are, are what progress you to the next level. Yeah, nice. Um, you're in a great stable, so like your sparring must be phenomenal. I know you must bring other people in, and you go to other other uh, other gyms to spar. Um, yeah, I mean, what's I mean? Can you mention any names who's really good? Like you, you like when you spar them, you think that's really, really tough, or um, you know, people that you learn off. Is it? Is there anyone that you fought over the years? Like you know, what that person's been really good for me to spar against? I think Michael and Josh. Yeah, I think luckily I'm in the middle, you know, them two weight wise. Yeah, so I get to <clears throat> learn from both of them. And uh, Michael is so so clever, um, very very sharp punishing mentality but when he's in with someone heavier he'll just take all your attributes away from you so it's very difficult to hit him um and he does clever clever things that just make they make you look stupid you mm. know if you if you get wound up or you you want to dive in with shots um he knows just how to make you look silly and and punish you being a lighter guy as well very very smart um and josh very very tricky mm, head movement yeah, diff yeah difficult to hit and when you and if you by chance catch him he's ready to punish you and up it on you mm. and uh take you take you to deep waters so them two you know i've learned so 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 much of and being around them and seeing their mentality as well i would definitely say it's uh both of them have rubbed off of me a lot over the last few years. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, even when I watch you drill on the pads on the social media, and just kidding, all, 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 all of you. To be honest, it's like you said. There's the thing that Charlie gets me to do, and 
I'm not a pro athlete, so I'm not doing it as much as you guys and I'm not drilling it as much as you guys. I'm not dedicated as much as you guys. But it takes me a while to get do, doing it. And even still, when I get it, it's not that smooth maybe. But when I watch you lot, it's almost like, bang, it's just, it just happens. It's just like, like, like you're breathing and driving a car without thinking about changing the gear. Well, um, yeah. That's the thing. It doesn't come. The job is to make it look like that. The truth is it doesn't come like that. It's, that's the repetitions. Yeah. And that's, it takes time to smooth out and iron out the creases. Mm -hmm. But the job is to make it look that smooth in practice and in sparring and eventually in the fight. Yeah. But in making it look <laughs> smooth, there's a long process of, of uh, refining. Yeah. Sure. Um, at either in boxing or outside of boxing, is there anyone who's like really inspired you thinking, you know what, this person's educated me, inspired me. And I kind of not want to be like them, but you know, take the best bit from them. Is anyone that is giving you that kind of inspiration? A lot of people I've been around have given me that inspiration and motivation. Um, obviously seeing what my uncle did in boxing and watching that because I wasn't, I wasn't around at the time to, to, uh, you know, go and watch the fights. It was before my time. So watching it back, it's just, the, the energy is just incredible mm. and um, the skills that he picked up and, and mastered and, and it took, it took him a lot of time and effort to, to do them things, to make them look yeah. smooth and, you know, and effortless. Yeah. Like we said before, but you see that, you know, you see the finished product and it's, it's incredible. And, and then seeing junior, seeing him actually pick it up and run with it was because I could actually see the process then of, okay, so you're here and you took step by step, step, step by step to get here. It's, it's more realistic when you see, okay. So obviously senior, you see the finished product, but you don't see the, but junior, I got to see the kind of building process, mm. which was motivational for me. Cause it was like, okay, it is possible to try and replicate. Mm. And, um, and then obviously being around um, Adam and the guys in the gym, it's um, more motivation. Yeah. More wisdom, more understanding of the game and just soaking it all in. It's, 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 been, a, it's been a beautiful process so far. Yeah, good stuff. So the last part of our uh, interview, I want to talk to you about the nutrition because... Um, Right, I've said this multiple times. I am not fully plant-based. I'm pescatarian, and I made a transition nearly two years ago. It's actually going to be the anniversary of it is on really? New Year's. Oh, okay. So, so is, that, is that the two or the three-year anniversary? Two-year will be. Okay. So basically two years ago, uh, we had our last meal, which was a shepherd's pie. I remember <laughs> it. I had a bottle of red wine. Was it shepherd's good? pie. It was really nice, man. I, ma I made it myself. It yeah, was incredible. Mince, uh, beef. You're good chef. Uh, do you know what? I wouldn't say I'm good, but I picked up my, 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 my wife. She's, um, she's pretty good. And okay. she's, she's teached me over yeah. time. She's had a lot of patience with yeah. me. <laughs> and anyway, um, I, we made it and we said, look, cause we was already kind of transitioning. We'd like, we stopped eating meat in the week. Then we was doing it once on the weekend. And then we kind of just sort of like phased it out. So look, we're going to have this one. Unless I always do, if I'm fighting or not, no drinking for the first three months of, of the year. I like a red wine. I've got to admit. Yeah. And and we said, well, why don't we just do no meat for three months? Let's see, let's see how we get on. Three months went by and it was so easy. I was like, don't really miss it. And now we have fish um, maybe twice a week, 
but so most of my meals is yeah. is is fruit and veg. I nice. mean, in the, there was a little hack that I discovered by complete chance, and it was because of my boxing fight last year. So before that boxing fight, I my last fight before that was in two, 2013 on the Queensbury League. Mm. I lost it. And my mentality is I'm never going to leave a sport on a loss. So yeah, yeah, come yeah. back, come yeah. back. But it took me six years to come back. Really? And I had to get back down to 73 kilo. And I was 73 kilo six years ago. Yeah. And I'm thinking, how am I going to get down to that? What did you go up to? Uh, I think I was heaviest, like 81, yeah. 82 maybe. Um, but so I started, I just started eating soup, right? That's, that was all I was eating. <laughs> I was eating a bowl of fruit, soup. I wasn't eating in the morning. I was having cold-pressed juices, which nice. I still do today. Love and I was it. having a few soups. And I was basically on a liquid diet. And the weight just fell off me. Mm. And for the first two weeks of sparring, I remember Charlie turned around to me and said, have you changed your diet? And I went, yeah, it's soup. He said, oh, like, maybe you're not getting enough, enough like, solids in you or yeah. whatever. But now after two weeks, my body adjusted. And the reason why I mention this story is because there's such a misconception, I feel, that you need to have, you know, your steaks, you need to have this and need to have that because otherwise you're not going to get the protein, you're not going to be strong, you're not going to be durable, etc. Well, I know I'm not a pro athlete, but I still fought at 33 years of age, it was, was it 33, 34 years of age? And um, I still had to fight a guy who was 26 years of age and someone that was active and I wasn't active. Mm. And I basically done it on soup yeah <laughs> basically done it on soup and no meat whatsoever yeah. and i felt very strong i felt very durable and i could have gone on so the question i wanted to ask you because i've recently interviewed brian jennings yeah i've interviewed your cousin seb who is predominantly i think plant is yeah. he com completely predominantly, yeah. yeah um i've interviewed a few people now who are plant-based raw vegans um how did you start that transition and when did it start for me i think it started when i was about 18 started to become more aware of... You're 24 now, yeah? I'm 26. 26, okay. Yeah. So for me, it started started at 18. I started to become more aware of my surroundings, certain um, certain things which I thought were, were right or didn't think were right. I started to have, form my own opinions on a lot more a lot more things around me that I was kind of observing and, and soaking in. And I felt like nutrition, especially, <clears throat> was one of the things that you can have the most impact on in terms of, there's a lot of things that are out of your control in terms of what you can immediately affect. Um, but nutrition is one of them things that, nutrition and health um, is one of them things that you can, you can, you can turn like that. Mm. Um, you can start putting good things in and, and it's one of the main things you can have an, an immediate effect on. Um, so, at that point for me, I started to kind of transition more to like an alkaline diet, but I, I, I took it over stages. I didn't just cut out everything at once. I started cutting out different meats first. So red meat was first to go, then um, followed by eggs and... Um, Chicken and white meat. Or eggs and milk to start with, like milk as in like cereal and stuff like that. But then I think the last things was like... Um, chicken but i'd never cook it it was just eating out uh and the convenience of i don't know getting a jerk chicken wrap or whatever and um the last things to go for me was was like chicken when i bought buying it out and uh chocolate and uh like dairy products in other stuff like bread pastries 
mm. things like that. So it was a process of cutting things out slowly. And then after for maybe from 18 to 21 was that three year kind of period of weaning off certain things and, mm. and cutting out as I learn further. Cause you see about eggs, but you don't realize, you know, the, the effect they have until you're presented with it in detail, uh, mm. visually or, and in terms of private studies and things like this. So was it a co combination of between like, like for me, it was a double-edged sword. It was one, I didn't like the fact that animals are suffering and it doesn't really matter how the media or how anyone, how anyone portrays it. They are fucking suffering. Yeah. There's no doubt. You can't, you can't feed the whole entire world milk. Yeah by naturally allowing cows to um, impregnate each other, they have to force them to get impregnated. And that cow has been impregnated 10 times over. Exactly. Um, and these are things that we turn a blind eye to. Then also the slaughterhouses, etc. Listen, if a cow is raised and it's natural life and everything happens and then they get slaughtered, I can sort of see where you're coming from. But that's not the reality. So that was that was one side of it for me. The other side of it is learning the difference between alkaline and acidicness yeah. in your blood, yeah. having your body inflamed. And yeah. a lot of these injuries and a lot of the problems that people experience later on in life, like the heart attacks, like the cancers, like the Alzheimer's, like all this kind, yeah. kind of stuff, a lot of it has to do with the stuff we're putting in your body. Yeah, so was it those two things? That 100%. It was uh, originally it was seeing a lot of Dr. Sebi stuff, um, watching a lot of kind of seminars online and then purchasing books and related to health and disease of the body and how to produce health in the body. Mm. And it was kind of a process of, of seeing, looking at the details and then trying it for myself. And um, like you say, the alkaline and the acidic like acidity is a breeding ground for this ease in the body. Um, so it's knowing that it's what foods are acidic and what, what effect do they then have on the body and how, how mm. do they break down in the body and understanding that more. So definitely had an effect on transitioning to more alkaline foods. Mm. Then obviously paired with that is the you know ethical side of things and, for me personally, I wouldn't kill an animal to eat it. Um, like I said, when I did eat meat, it was a case of I just grab it when it was out. I wouldn't, I wouldn't even buy a raw um, piece of meat or you know and cook animal it yourself, yeah. or, or buy a raw animal and cook it myself because that would be a weird process for me. Like mm. so, to to actually then take it further and kill kill an animal to to eat i wouldn't personally do that no um that's my ethical stance or moral stance on that you know in terms yeah. of what i eat obviously everyone has their own moral um compass and moral yeah. compass moral code and moral responsibility mm. and um for me personally i i wouldn't do that so it just it makes sense you know the the nutritional side of things as well as the ethical side of things are uh, go hand in hand mm. and how do you feel then as because you know uh i was speaking to brian jennings and what i love about him he's also a pro boxer but he's a fucking heavyweight he's a massive guy and he defines 
he he redefines everything that people were saying because it was like you can't be that big and you know live a natural life and you know not eating steaks and protein etc but he does it you know he's doing it now he's been just sparring joshua for his up and coming fight this weekend the guy's no joke he's a he's a he's a powerhouse but let's say someone who's in a lighter division i think you're super, super lightweight division yeah. um how is your how is your like energy because of the food like your nutrition now and what type of things do you consume? I think my energy is great. Um, it's kind of known that I can really bring bring the energy in the gym, um, inspiring, and I can I can maintain a high energy pace. And the 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 main task is getting me to slow down. Mm. Um, so energy wise, you know, I'm I'm more than more than. Uh, more than equipped yeah. on, on my diet. And uh, I like to eat whole foods, whole food, whole food plant-based diet. So that consists of uh, grains, nuts, um, pulses, loads of veg, loads of fruit, and, and better grains as well. So obviously I try not to consume things like white rice and I'd opt for things like quinoa, bulgar wheat, um, wild rice, Instead, uh, these are more original grains and more alkaline, rich. Yeah, and and you try and focus because I've learned as well. Like when I first heard about when I first heard about vegetarians and then vegans, this is like years ago. I'm like, what? No, it doesn't make any sense. And then I started understanding it. But then I I used to affiliate that word vegan as basically healthy. Mm. But I think there's a guy that you even know, a guy called Tyson. From alkaline humanism on online on, on oh yeah I've seen this page yeah. and I've uh, I know Seb's been speaking to him I've spoken to him a few times and there's another guy called Coop DC Coop, yeah I know Coop who I he's yeah. been on my podcast twice now Probably. I interviewed Has he? yeah yeah I haven't seen that one yeah yeah twice yeah I done I done one before my last fight I trained yeah. with him and we done a podcast nice. and then second time around we we done an interview in a um, vegan uh, restaurant yeah because he's a good guy he knows his stuff oh he's powerful and um, anyway. I had the misconception that it was vegan means health. Mm. And what these guys have taught me is, listen, there might be the moral side if you're vegan and you're not consuming animal products. That's great. You know, really good. But you can still have a lot of vegan junk food. Yeah. And he said, and they said, you, you need to focus on raw stuff, which is whole. Yeah. So the cold press juicing I have in the morning, um, I, I just think it's one of the best things I can consume and eating things as they are yeah. rather than heating it up, destroying it, cutting it up and then turn it into something else. Exactly. Um, yeah, how it's meant to be eaten, how it's presented by nature, you know, that's how, how it's intended to be eaten. Yeah. So it's, it's not up to humans to try and change everything from its natural form. The The healthiest you can be is in is consuming things in their natural form and you know, being as close to nature as you can, meaning fresh air, um, barefoot. If you can, if you can, you know, walk barefoot for, for certain periods, like earth and ground day. yourself almost. Yeah it's, yeah, it's the closer to, the closer you put yourself to nature, the the healthier you're going to be in this environment. Mm. Yeah, so important. Where can people find you if they want to follow you, mate? You can find me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Harlem Eubank, straight through. And um, yeah, keep up to date with my training, my nutritional um, lifestyle and uh, future fights that should be coming up 
Um, should have a busy, busy year of fights next year. So I'm really looking forward to that. Good man. Right. The last thing I want to ask you is I come up with a quote, which is uh, called Be Happy, Never Content. I developed it when I started my own sales company many years ago. It was to get into the mindset uh, of the salespeople to be perform at their best ever level. Very, very similar to boxing. Hence why I always say there's a relationship between boxers, fighters, athletes, and also business people or salespeople because yeah. you either win or you lose. You either make a sale or you don't make a sale. There's no in-between. And the same as boxing. Yeah. If I were to ask you the interpretation of be happy, never content, what does that mean to you? Um, well, I see content as, I do see content as happy. Okay. Um, as well. So I see content as you're happy with your surroundings. You're content with, because there's different, like happiness, I believe also is being content. Yeah. Um, so I guess it's, it kind of sounds like you want to push past being content with what you have and achieve more. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say that's what it means means to me. But also, I think content is being happy with your surroundings. Yeah, good man. Thank you so much for coming on my, my podcast, mate. Quality, Steve. Hopefully, I'll see you at the Box Hill this Saturday. Hey, let's get it, man. <laughs> Seven let's o'clock get in the morning, it. freezing our ass off. I'm ready. <laughs> nice one. All right, thank you very much. And uh, everyone, subscribe to my YouTube, also my podcast, and uh, make a comment on this. And I hope you get a lot of inspiration, motivation, and an education from this particular episode. Nice one. Be happy, never content. Cheers, man. Cheers, mate.